united and resilient, a podcast designed to help heal and support the El Paso community. Hello, I'm your host, Mariana Sierra, Outreach Coordinator for the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, a program of United Way of El Paso County. We are dedicated to serve those who were impacted directly or indirectly by August 3rd. Join us on the journey to long-term recovery as we have honest conversations with local leaders, mental health specialists, and fellow El Pasoans who share their stories and expertise. We feature topics that influence and impact the vitality and resilience of our community. We are El Paso United, and together we heal. Juntos sanamos. Dear listener, Before we begin, a note of warning. The topic we're about to explore contains a mention of the mass casualty event and a description of the events that unfolded thereafter. This episode may not be suitable for everyone. Hello everyone, welcome back to United and Resilient. For this episode, we'll meet the heart and soul of the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, our navigators. Throughout this episode, we'll learn more about their role at the FRC and how they can help those who were impacted directly or indirectly by August 3rd. Hello, my name is Alberto Ruiz. I am a resiliency navigator. Uh, My background before arriving at the Family Resiliency Center was on um, guidance and counseling. I have a master's in guidance and counseling, a bachelor's in psychology. Um, I was um, an applied behavior analyst. an applied behavior analysis therapist for 10 years. And I also worked as a consular protection officer for nine years uh, with a focus on uh, inmate populations. So I am uh, really familiar with uh, the culture from our region since I am both uh, Mexican and American. And aside from being bilingual, I like thinking of myself as bicultural and uh, I'm really happy to be here at the FRC and put my knowledge to the service of the people affected by the August 3rd shooting. Thank you so much, Beto. And now we also have the amazing Jamie. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Fierro. I am also a resiliency navigator at the FRC. I have a background in education, um, specifically in early childhood development. I am born and raised um, El Paso, but I moved off to school in Austin and lived there for 23 years, but I'm back home and have been for the last year. And um, I've always just had a calling for um, to serve, to serve my community, whether it be in El Paso or Austin. And so when this opportunity presented itself, I was very thrilled and I'm um, absolutely honored to be a part of it. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie. We're so happy to have you back here in El Paso. And last but not least is Jesus Ramirez. Jesus, welcome. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, my name is Jesus Ramirez. I am also a resiliency navigator with the Family Resiliency Center. I uh, have a background in social work. I, uh, I worked for about four years with Big Brothers Big Sisters of El Paso. Uh, they're a mentoring organization here, here, here locally. And what they do is that they pair um, adult mentors with at-risk youth. And so I did that for four years. I was born and raised here in El Paso. Uh, I'm a veteran. 
Um, I'm a proud father of two. Um, two beautiful boys that go to the district. And um, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, again, welcome everyone. I'm really excited to have you here because when I started my role here at the FRC and I was told, oh yeah, they're going to be uh, resiliency navigators. And I was like, what are navigators? So that's what we're going to try and talk about, about in this podcast, in this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and start with that basic question. What is navigation? Uh, well, navigation, um, I think they get it's self-explanatory and yet not so much. Uh, we help people navigate through all the community resources and services that exist uh, within the El Paso County and um, um, in our regional area. Uh, the main purpose is to assist these people who are affected by August 3rd to, um, to um, go directly to the services they need and try them uh, and try to avoid all the bureaucratic hurdles that they may have to face. We understand that um, they, uh, they're recovering from really serious trauma after the, the shooting. And what we want them to do is to focus all that energy that they may have on recovering and being better and not on uh, doing paperwork and looking for resources. So our main purpose is to connect the people affected by the August 3rd tragedy with the services and resources that they need. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Beto. Um, Whenever a person... Uh, needs services, what is the process of navigation at the FRC? So the initial process is a short intake. And um, what we do is our resource specialist, um, Valerie Mendoza, will speak with the potential participant and ultimately determine whether or not they um, qualify for our program. And what that entails is a short series of questions. And ultimately, the services or the needs have to be directly related to August 3rd. Who can benefit from navigation services at the FRC? I think anybody that's in need of them, to be honest with you. Uh, I work with all different types of participants right now. I mean, I have people that, you know, are either at or below the poverty line that need help with basic needs. We're referring to like, you know, help with utilities, help with rent, um, people with food insecurities, people who would qualify for, you know, means-tested benefits like, you know, supplements nutrition program and things like that. Um, but I also have people that I work with that, you know, they're a little bit more well off. Um, and if they've been affected by August 3rd, uh, I feel like we have a lot of resources that come to like mental health whether that's community resource center or the child guidance center. And um, I feel like maybe they can benefit from something like that. Uh, we just recently touched on a couple of non-traditional therapies. And I, I think anybody, anybody can really benefit to any of those, whether that's, you know, compadres therapy or, you know, creative kids. And what Jesus is touching on, um, yeah, we do have non-traditional therapies at the FRC. And what those are, um, we at the FRC believe that non-traditional therapy can support traditional therapy and it's a good segue to traditional therapy so we do have a couple of options and if you like more information on those you can approach any resiliency navigator to learn more about our non-traditional therapies and how you can benefit from those so I know Jesus touched a little bit on this the type of referrals you guys make so um Beto what other referrals have you made recently with our participants well, um, there are different types of uh, 
basically we can make any type of referrals uh, as long as a resource exists within the community. We try to um, to make sure that all the navigation plans are personalized. So there is uh, basically no limit to the type of referrals we can make as long as there's uh, an agency or, uh, or someone who provides those resources. The latest referrals that I have made have been to uh, creative kids for uh, art therapy, to um, um, horse therapy as well, uh, the Child Guidance Center for Crisis Intervention. So basically, the the types of referrals that we uh, we make, even though like the they're mostly about uh, psychological health, um, they uh, they can be about anything. Like they uh, people come here, they present their needs. We uh, we set we set up goals for them and uh, we'll find whatever resources they need to accomplish their goals and uh, facilitate their, uh, their, their way to recovery and promote resiliency. Awesome. And that's very important. Like the resources and referrals that our navigators make are always related to promoting uh, resiliency in long-term recovery. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, Beto. Now, I'm very interested in the philosophy and approach you guys take whenever you're meeting someone new at the FRC. I, I personally like to let the participant lead. And so just so that they can become comfortable, let them share as much as they want to um, and just ensure that they're, they're comfortable in the situation. I want it to be, we're there to navigate them. Ultimately, it's their journey. And so depending on what their needs is, you know, needs are, excuse me, we want to help them prioritize. And so I kind of just let them tell me, you know, what they feel is their most important need at the moment. And then we work from there. But ultimately, it's their plan of care. And I'm there to support them in that journey. I love that. I love that because it's something that we mentioned in our first episode with Christine Lamour and our CEO, Deborah Zulaga, that it's their own journey and it's respecting everyone's process of healing. And I love that you're saying that, Jamie. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, But why is it important to continue this type of services for our community? I think it is important. um, Two main reasons. Uh, The first one, after the shooting happened, uh, there was, a, and there still is, uh, a sea of uh, resources. Everyone jumped in and tried to help, which uh, became overwhelming for a lot of people. Like, even though there was a lot of help and a lot of resources they could benefit from, there were so many, and uh, and everyone was so willing to help that it could. It was a little bit over- overwhelming for the the people affected by August third. So um, I think. Us as a as a resiliency center, we can help them make a little bit more sense of all the resources that exist out there. Uh, the, that is one thing um, that, like, that why I think it's important. And the other one, it is because uh, all out of these people and everyone who was affected by August third, like it's seen by the media and like people not from El Paso, like, like the population overall, they see, they see the August third as like their defining characteristics. And like they think like, oh, he or she, they are a victim of August third. And I think it's important to be here to remind everyone that before August third, there were human beings with dreams, expectations. And uh, August third was just something really bad that happened to them. 
And uh, I think we need to be here to remind people that we are helping not Alistair victims. Like before that, they were human beings with dreams, expectations, hopes. And we are here to uh, give those dreams, those expectations and that hope back to them so they can uh, move on and not let August 3rd be like something that defines who they are, which is something bad that happened to them and that they were able to overcome. See, that's the amazing work that's done here at the FRC. Um, thank you so much for for seeing it that way, Beto, because I think some, sometimes we need to be reminded that there there were people with, like you said, I love how you said it, with dreams, with expectations, with families and then they were impacted by this so i just i'm just overwhelmed with with the love and the passion that you guys um put into your work i'm curious of what what you've learned since your role at the frc what have you learned from our community um one thing i had to be really mindful of moving back was that it was going to be you know a culture shock moving from Austin, you know, it is a different, it is a different culture in El Paso and I was excited to get back. And one thing that has proven to be so incredible with our community is how everybody truly has come together and not just, you know, the community itself, but, you know, with our partners within the United Way and with FRC, um, people have really stepped up to um, offer their services and to share their their gifts and their talents so that people in our community can benefit from it. You know, we are really lucky to work with a team that um, has a broad, you know, um, skill set and who works together so well so that we can support each other and be able to offer each other guidance when helping you know, our participants um, at the FRC. What are some of the relationships that you've built with your participants? I feel like on a personal level, more more so than a professional level, to be honest. Um, I have this elderly couple that I work with and um, every time that I reach out to them, they're kind of just grateful to to just be talking only. And a lot of it has to do with like, you know, their every day to day. Sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with, um, you know, navigation services. Sometimes it's just like, you know, how was your weekend? You know, how are your boys doing? Like things that I wouldn't normally share with a participant up front, but because you've been carrying this, this, this responsibility for the last, what, eight months, um, you get to know one another a lot more than you, you probably would have had it just been, you know, something really quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a relationship that I'm 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 grateful for. It's it's something that I wasn't expecting, yeah. and I hope that it could just continues to grow from here on out. Sure. And Jamie, what about you? What are some of the relationships that you've built? One of um, the relationships I really enjoy, and it, again stemming from my background in education and being a child advocate, is the relationships I've built with some of my minor participants. Um, I love that I am in a position to help them and um, be a voice for them and help them find services that um, would benefit them. Um, and sometimes they can't necessarily articulate what they're feeling. And, you know, um, I'm just really grateful that I can utilize my background and help them and their parents um, and guide them through, through those needs. 
Awesome. Thank you. Yes, that background in education definitely um, comes in handy, right? <laughs> and that's 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 what we were talking before, that all of our navigators have different backgrounds. And that is very beneficial um, when it comes to helping our participants in a more personal level. It's not just connecting to resources and letting another agency or organization take care of them, but really our navigators um, hold their hands and, and, and accompany them in this journey of healing. This is United and Resilient. We'll be right back. My name is Sarah Polk. I'm the clinical supervisor for the Community Recovery Center with Emergence Health Network. On the morning of August 3rd, I was actually just sitting in my living room, kind of milling about going through my morning routine. I was planning on meeting up with my best friend. We were gonna go grab lunch, go shopping at Cielo Vista Mall. Um, normally when we do that, we stop by that Walmart. We buy fabric, they had a great craft section. So we would kind of just do that um, every few Saturdays. So waking up that morning, um, I was sitting there as the news started to kind of roll in and I realized that we didn't want to go to that part of town, um, that it wasn't really advisable. And I told my friend, I was like, hey, I don't know if you're seeing this, but I don't think we should go. I think we need to kind of call it off. And she agreed. So my husband's actually in media. And what he did, he was sleeping at the time and then he woke up and he came out and he said, I have to go. I need to go and, and report. I, I have to be there for the radio station. I kind of sealed myself and I said, okay, I understand. Go. And as I was sitting there and I was waiting, um, kind of as everything kept coming in, I also got a notice from our team saying, hey, they might need therapists. And I was sitting there on my couch, just, you know, craving any of the news, any updates of hoping that people were okay and, and everything. Contacting all of my friends, sending text messages, the people who hadn't gotten back to me, then calling them, um, fielding my own phone of phone calls from all over the country, uh, messages from people all over the world who had heard what had happened and wanting to check on me and make sure I was okay. And once we got that call of, hey guys, we might need therapists for the Family Reunification Center, the hospitals, I said, okay, where am I going? They said, okay, we need a team at the hospitals and we need a team at the Family Reunification Center. So I said, all right, I'm on my way to the Family Reunification Center. I'll be there in 15 minutes. And I was going down the highway and I was driving faster than I should have been. So I parked the car, I ran out, and then the rest of the day was just helping families um, kind of keep themselves calm, fill out paperwork, wait, hope for phone calls, um, describe their loved ones or the police so that they knew who they were looking for. But the really remarkable thing that I remember from the whole day was there was just so much stuff that showed up. It just it just came. We had stacks of cases of bottled water up to the ceiling. There was so much food there that when I had someone who told me she was a diabetic and she was shaking, I said, here, let me go find you something. And I was able to bring her a variety of things to eat. Um, they're small things, but they're so important. And there were just so many. We had therapists that showed up that we had to turn away because we didn't have their paperwork on file or their insurance on file. So we said, you know what? Come next, come tomorrow to this location. You can help out. We'll need you then. 
and I just went through that day and I it's a blur and there are some parts that just stick out really clearly but the thing that I remember most was just the overwhelming sense of community that came out that day to support those people as they were going through some of their darkest hours and I think that's what El Paso is and that's what that day will always be for me was a horrible horrible tragedy but at the same time I saw such beautiful humanity um, in our community and it makes me really proud to be a part of El Paso. So now I want to go into mental health so, because mental health is one of the biggest things we do here at the FRC, right? We, we advocate for mental health awareness and we try to educate our participants as much as possible on mental health. So what um, I want to start by asking this question, and I think we, we asked this question before with other of our guests at United and Resilient, but I would, like, I would like to get the input of our navigators since they see it with their participants. Why do you believe there's a mental health stigma in our community, Jesus? It's a great question. Um, I think about maybe the culture has has a lot to do with it. Um, I know with with the male participants that I'm working with, um, very few of them um, have accepted um, that they need, or not that they need, but maybe that they would benefit from mental health services. Um, many of these men are of you know Hispanic origin, and maybe I, the first thing that comes to mind is is machismo. Um, maybe it's like a sign of weakness. Uh, maybe, you know, it's out of embarrassment. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, and I feel like a lot of times with, with Hispanic families, I, I, and I speak from, from experience, um, a lot of it's, a lot of stuff that's, that's, that's like mental health related. I feel like it's kept in-house. Like, you know, you talk to your mom about it. You talk to your grandma about it. You know, you might even have these conversations with your, you know, your uncle, your dad, your grandfather, um, but it's not something that you would go out of your way to to receive help from. Um, and I've just, I've always, I've always had that in the back of my mind, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Um, there's, we were taught that the problems that we had with our family, we kept it inside the family or the problems that you have at your job, you, you leave them at the office, right? And we're still carrying those stigmas. Jamie, how do you think we can reduce those stigmas surrounding mental health? I think certainly it's important to respect um, the opinions of, you know, the participants. But I think it's really important to raise awareness and really educate our participants on the benefits of mental health. Um, and, you know, like we've mentioned before, we are not, it's not just, you know, one-on-one -on -one counseling. You know, there's a plethora of uh, mental health services. And, um, you know, like we said, there's yoga, you know, there's running, even taking a walk outside, um, creative writing, equine therapy. Those are all um, examples of therapy. Swimming is an example of therapy. And so I think just educating our participants and the El Paso community um, against so we can work together um, and just really you know, going with the benefits of mental health and not really going from it at a standpoint of it's therapy, kind of taking that 
stigma away. I definitely agree with you, um, Jamie, because when I started addressing my mental health, I guess I started with something. (laughs) I guess that's why I'm such a big fan of podcasts, because I started by listening to podcasts and they started to introduce this term mental health. And I was like, wait a second, what is this about? And and I also started started by doing yoga and I never thought that something physical would connect with my emotions, but it really does. It really does. And then from there, I jumped into traditional therapy, traditional counseling, and it's been so very, very beneficial. And I know I've said this before in past episodes, but I think one of the best ways that we can reduce stigma surrounding mental health is just talking about it. You know, we can talk it about about mental health with our parents. And maybe I know like for my, my own family, it's been easier for them since they see me being so open about it. For my friends, the same way. It's been helpful for them since I talk about my my counseling session and I talk about my therapy session. They're like, oh, I want to learn more about it. And maybe I can um, poner esa semillita just then maybe that's something that they can relate to and maybe they can reach out to a professional. So it's just making the conversation normal, normalized mental health, because as we said before, mental health is equally as important as physical health. So if you're feeling a certain way, just know that your emotions and your feelings are normal and are okay. And hopefully here at the FRC, you can find um, a navigator, and I know you will, that's going to be able to to help you navigate through the resources provided in the community. Now, since we're talking about mental health, and I shared with you guys how I started, it says, what's your favorite way, of, what's your favorite coping technique, and how do you take care of your mental health? Favorite coping technique? Um, we have a basketball court um, in my backyard. And yeah. I, I, really like <laughs> I like that. I do. I, I, I'm a big basketball fan. Um, all sports, to be honest with you. Um, it was just something that I kind of always grew up with. I remember my mom, she bought me my first basketball court. I was probably like seven or eight. And, and she did it big. Like she didn't have like the... Like it wasn't attached to the wall or anything like that. Like it was a full court. It was cement, um, regulation size. And ever since then, I think I've always had a basketball court or live near a basketball court where I can kind of just, you know, go to their event. And it feels really well. Jamie, how about you? What's your favorite uh, way of taking care of your mental health? I have always been... Um, athletic and so I think I always gravitate towards something you know like physical activity like that but I enjoy the outdoors and so whether that be hiking or gardening or um, as crazy as it might sound to some people even cutting the grass yard work I love being outside and for me that's a big uh, a big deal a big stress reliever and um you know, mental health has run long and wide in my family and has affected me personally as well. And so I try to be very mindful about self-care. And um, so, the, yeah, those are my outlets, the, the great outdoors. The great outdoors. And actually, 
you guys are very active. I'm not like I my way of taking care of of my mental health is just like zoning out and being inside my room and writing and with my books. That's how I take care of my mental health. So it's just uh, listening to your body. What are your needs? Um, and being true to yourself and just be patient with yourself. So yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with our audience guys. Now I want to talk a little bit about resiliency. So we are the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. So I want to ask, what is resiliency to you, Jesus? That's, an, that's another really great question. Um, resiliency to me, I think it would be kind of just making sure that, you know, you're able to overcome, you know, whatever comes at you. Jamie, one of the parts of this job of, of, of your responsibilities is to listen to the stories of our participants. And I know that can be difficult sometimes. Um, so how do you build resiliency within your job duties? So um, for me, resiliency, you know, is the ability to bounce back and recover quickly from hardship or any kind of difficulties. And, you know, I'm, I like to say that I'm a person that cares deeply about people, whether I've known you for 10 minutes, whether I've known you for 10 years. Um, and so I will admit that it, it is quite a challenge because, you know, I sit and I listen to our participants share their stories and, you know, I, I have cried with them and you just have to, or what I personally do is listen to their story, um, offer support, give choices um, that I feel would best help them with their hardship. And honestly, you know, I'd like to say that I don't bring it home and I don't think about them, but I truly do. Um, and I just, with that, I just continue to think, how can I continue to help them? What else is out there for them to help them along this path? And um, so so that's ultimately, ultimately what I do. Thank you, Jamie. And you are right. Like, um there's, there's no way of detaching yourself. It's like when you were a teacher, right? You would go home, but you would st still think about your students. They were always on your mind. So maybe it's something, something similar. So now that we talk about how can we build resiliency individually, I know you guys touch a little bit on this, but I want to go a little bit further in detail. How do you think we can build community resiliency? Um, how do you build community resiliency? That's, that's another really great question. Um, <laughs> We're full of good questions here at United and Resilient. <laughs> um, you know, when you have something like this, like what happened on August 3rd, happened to El Paso, um, I feel like a lot of people came together. Um, you know, whether that had to do with, you know, donating, you know, money to help the survivors, whether that's setting up a resiliency center to help, you know, provide navigation services for people who were affected, um, different community partners that we have and, and their ability and their, their willingness to partner with us, I think has been a huge, huge blessing. Um, I don't know that you have that everywhere else. Like I feel like in El Paso is just, it's, it's a unique setting where everyone is kind of just 
so willing to kind of lend their hand and, you know, look, this is what I can do to help, you know, what else can I do to, to, to help push your mission? Um, I think that's probably one way of going about building community resiliency is just making sure that you, you build relationships with the people that are, are most willing to help you out. And um, El Paso has that. Thank you. Jamie, do you have any thoughts on that? I think um, I agree with Jesus. I think as a community, it's important to um, come together, which we have, and also to be willing to learn together. And that goes back to, you know, with the stigmas of mental health and being being willing to open up and um, seek that self care for for ourselves and for each other's and uh, each other and just check on um, one another. You know, constantly be in in contact with people like we did for the act of kindness uh, for the day of remembrance. Just reaching out to somebody, texting somebody, you know, picking up the phone, writing a letter, you know, knocking on your neighbor's door. Just just letting people know that you're there for them. Yeah. Um, I think is really important. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I was reading a book not too long ago, and they were talking about what are feelings and what are emotions. And one of the most common questions that we ask during our days is, how are you? We always ask that question, right? How are you? But sometimes when we are the ones who are supposed to answer that question, we're not as true to we're like oh I'm fine but maybe like we need to take a little bit more time of like no how really are you and make that question like I want to know and that's how we can build resiliency so that's what I do with my friends like hey how are you and they answer oh I'm fine and I'm like no wait but really how are you and that's what they open up and I think that's a way of how we can build resiliency and be there for each other now I want to I'm heading towards my concluding questions but I would like to ask this what have you learned about yourself since becoming a resiliency navigator what have I learned about myself I've learned that that I'm a lot more compassionate than maybe I thought I was. Uh, that's for sure. Um, kind of, Jamie had touched on this a little bit earlier. And when you have these people that that come to you and kind of want to share their stories with you, um, in some ways you you you. I don't want to say that you put up a wall, but like you you kind of have to have this professionalism about yourself where you know you're listening, you're listening, you're listening, and then you kind of try to give that feedback. Um, but I have, I've, I've, I've teared up with participants in the past and that's never something that I've done in any occupation. Um, and so getting here, it was just, it was eye opening for me. I was just like, wow, like it's, it's something different. It's not something that you expect to hear. It's not something that you expect to feel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for sharing that. And it's a pleasure having you in our team. Now, Jamie, what have you learned about yourself since becoming a resiliency navigator? For the last 20 plus years, I have been in education and, you know, my former students used to always call me Miss Jamie and the last school I worked at, you know, I was there for 16 years and everybody I worked with in that school was my heart. I loved that school so very much. And I always thought, you know, education was going to be my path and, um, 
So I have really been pleasantly surprised at how I've been able to adapt into this field and that I truly love what I'm doing. Um, it's still, again, it's a job of service. And I think because that's where my heart is, you know, I feel like I fit comfortably into this position and this role. And I love that I can serve our community and my hometown and these participants who were so um, affected by, by this tragedy um, in a positive way. And um, it's a constant um, path of learning for me, which I, I love. And I actually, uh, you know, I'm thriving and, you know, that makes me happy overall. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for sharing that. And really, for the people who are listening, our navigators really put their hearts into the work. Um, they are really helpers in the community. So it's a pleasure uh, seeing them work on a daily basis. And thank you so much for you, what you guys do, guys. Now, if someone out there is listening and is interested in our services, how can they enroll into our program and receive more information? Um, I think one thing that's very important, and I believe we touched on it a little bit, uh, or we maybe we didn't, is that it's important for people to know that they didn't necessarily have to be there at Walmart or in the Cielo Vista area. We help anybody that was affected either directly or indirectly. So, for example, if you are somebody who suffered from mental um, health in the past and um, August 3rd has exacerbated these feelings, we certainly can help you. Um, you would definitely qualify for our services. So um, that is something that is important to us, that the community know that it's not just those that were there but it's also for the broader community as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Jesus, where can they get more information about what we do and our services? Um, can you go to the website? The website has, has a ton of information. Um, El Paso United.org. Um, it has a ton of information on whether that's, you know, people that we're working with, you know, what we've done so far, uh, individual navigators that you can kind of reach out to with our emails and our contact information. And our number is 915-775-2783. And our resource specialist, her name is Valerie Mendoza. And she would be more than happy to explain what our program is, how we can go about helping you, and to answer any questions or concerns that you might have. Yeah, definitely. And even though that um, maybe our offices are still closed because of the pandemic, we do provide services and our navigators go, like I've said, I know I've said this a couple of times now, but our navigators really go above and beyond for our participants. So if, please, if you're listening to this and um, you think, okay, this is something Maybe I do qualify for this and maybe this is something for me. Please reach out. Um, our information is, like like Sue said, is in our website. And um, all our information is also in our social media. So please reach out. Now, my last question would be, and I always like to ask this question to everyone who comes here. So, Jamie, what is a message of hope you would like to give to our community? Um, I think it's very important for people to know that they're not alone. Um, they are not on this journey 
by themselves. We are here to help um, as much as we can, as best as we can. And if it's not through the FRC, please um, know that you can reach out to anybody, friends, families. Um, if you're a student, you know, a teacher, a counselor, but there is somebody out there who is willing to listen and willing to help. Definitely. I agree with you. Now, Jesus, what is a message of hope that you would like to give to our community? You know, we're going to get through this together. We're going to get through this together. Um, help is out there. You know, I feel like you know, we had talked about you know, the mental health stigma before. I feel like there's also a stigma when it comes to receiving services here in El Paso. I have so many participants that I'm working with right now where I, I try to navigate them to different resources and they're kind of... They're cautious, overly cautious, hyper cautious, and uh, I feel like I feel like there's there's services out there for you, and and if we can help you with that, I mean, please please reach out. Um, we're more than willing to help you. Thank you, Jesus, and well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, it's a pleasure. I I was really looking forward to this episode because really our navigators are the heart of the FRC. Um, so thank you so much, guys, for what you do, for all the passion that you give on a daily basis, for the heart that you put into your work. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. We're honored thank to be here. Thank you so much, Mariana. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of United and Resilient. I really hope you enjoyed meeting our resiliency navigators. And I would like to give a special thanks to the navigators that joined today, Jamie, Jesus, and Beto. If you or anyone you know are interested in receiving our services, this is the process to go through. First, call our office at 915-775-2783, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m to 5 p.m. Due to COVID-19, our offices remain closed. However, our lovely resource specialists will be able to take your call. And if you have any needs related to August 3rd, she will then refer you to a resiliency navigator. Once you are referred to one of our navigators, they will then conduct an intake to identify specific needs. Once those needs are identified, the resiliency navigator will then make community referrals. Finally, the resiliency navigator will follow up with the individual or family to make sure those needs were met successfully. So please, if you or anyone you know are interested or would like to receive more information of the FRC and who we are and what we do, please do not hesitate to reach out. We're always happy to help our community. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode.